Okay, wow, great to see you all. I couldn't take my glasses off up here because I'm in the shade. It is so good to see you all. Um, and it's kind of weird to be together again, but it's good. Um, I don't know how many times you say these days that it's the kind of new normal or this is weird, um, but I just want to say that uh, God is unchanging. Uh, he's not surprised by any of this that's going on. He isn't unsettled by uh, the pandemic, and he uh, knows everything about this that's going on. So he is unchanging and true. He is the Alpha and Omega, and he's got it in his hands. He has a plan and a purpose for all of us still in this uh, time. If you're feeling anxious right now, you might even feel anxious gathering here today with crowds of other people. I just want you to know God sees you and knows your heart, and he loves you. He's unchanging, and his love for you is never-ending and unchanging. But it is just so good to see you all. Um, if you don't know me, if you're a visitor, I've seen some names sign up. That's the uh, beauty of uh, the sign-up. I can see who's coming and who isn't. Um, so I've seen some names I didn't quite recognise. My name is Ian. I'm an elder at Hope Church. Uh, and we have been going through the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to carry on doing that today. We're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to expect God to come and speak to us through that. Is that okay? Yes, good. This is, this is very strange, isn't it, worship team? Yes, but it is good to see you all. So, we uh, started last week. If you watched online, I'm sure you loved seeing my beautiful face uh, on YouTube. Uh, thank you, Jeeves. Well done. <coughs> um, Thank you for the seven people that watched that. That was re uh, really helpful and encouraging for me. Uh, last week, we st I started to look at the beginning of Luke 13, 22 to 35. I'm um, looking at Jesus and the narrow door as he was traveling through towns and villages, and then he prophesies about how he's going to be received in Jerusalem. So, can I encourage you? This is a really good time for you as we gather together uh, at Oak Hall to bring your Bibles. As Jeeves said, we're gonna, uh, the intention is to keep meeting like this over the next few weeks. Um, but things are subject to change, as you know. We, we're living very much week to week. Um, but we're going to plan to keep meeting as places of worship are still exempt from the rule of six. We can still gather like this. So we're going to plan to do that next week. But as we do, you can bring your Bibles because we don't have a screen for you to read it off. Okay, so can I encourage you to bring these? Do you remember these things? Old-fashioned books, leather-bound, Tom shaking his head. Anyone remember a Bible? Yeah? Okay, great. Well, if you can turn, some of you who are used to looking at phones, it might take you a while. It's Luke, and it's at the back of the Bible. Okay, see, in the New Testament, and instead of just searching, uh, it's from 13, from verse 22. So I'm going to read, and you'll probably listen. So from verse 22... It says this, he went on his way, that's Jesus, through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. 
then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say to you, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and, all the, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some who are, are first who will be last. Just going to rest that on there on those piano. Okay, so it kind of starts with a question. It starts with, will those who will be saved be few? And then it kind of ends with really Jesus questioning that section, will those who will be saved be you? That's the question. And the question is kind of posed, and the question that is posed is related all the way through the passage, passages that we're looking at today. Jesus, is Jesus really saying something less than all of Israel isn't going to take part in the redemption of the Messiah? And Jesus, in a very Jesus-like way, doesn't answer the question directly he uses these illustrations to speak about salvation and what he has to say about salvation is pretty sobering he says the door is narrow and one day it will shut we start with verse 24 with a narrow door it says strive to enter through the narrow door for many i tell you will seek to enter and will not be able Firstly, this kind of narrowness doesn't suggest this kind of grand, wide portal that we could all saunter through. Luke's been showing since chapter 11 in verse 37, when he gave the woes to the Pharisees, that many in the nation, including the Pharisees, are rejecting Jesus. The narrow door is less frequented and less inviting. It requires a strength of will. It, to follow Jesus can be an arduous journey of discipleship. The rich can hardly squeeze through. We, when we move forward into chapter 18, we look at the rich young ruler. But one must make a decision to get through the narrow door before it is too late. You have to make a decision that will determine salvation. Or you will be excluded. Waiting is never a good idea. And there's no such thing, this is what Jesus is trying to highlight, there's no such thing as an automatic entry for a person. Not for good people, not for well-behaved people, not for those born in the right place. No, you have to make a choice. You have to strive to enter through the narrow door. God has opened a door, but mankind wants to enter through it in its own terms. It wants to be a kind of wide, pluralistic, universalist door that many will pass through, that the world feels comfortable through, that there are many paths that lead to God, but no, there is only one way to God. There is only one path, one gate to God, and that is through the person of Jesus. Through the death and resurrection on, on the cross, humbly coming to him, accepting the truth, asking for forgiveness, that is the way through the door. The door is often used as imagery into kind of entry into the banquet of this eschatological blessing or end times. 
when Jesus returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth. But what is more alarming as we move through this text is that one day this door will be shut, cutting off anyone that is not already inside. From verse 25 to 30, we see Jesus using strong words. And we might think, Jesus, you're not being very inclusive here. We often want Jesus to be all nice and fluffy, don't we? All loving and all accepting. But here, he talks about people that have been with him. But from verse 25, from once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you'll begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. And he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. And you'll begin to say, but we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. He will say to you, I tell you, I do not know where you came from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Oh, Jesus. This is a cheery message as we all get back together, isn't it? But here, the people clearly knew Jesus. They ate and drank in his presence. They knew him. They knew him but never responded to his message of repentance. He's addressing the descendants of the patriarchs when he talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So in this, co in this context, it applies to the Jews at the time, but this also has other applications when you look and consider it. Because you can be so close to the promises of God and yet miss it entirely. You could be uh, brought up in a, a Christian home. You could uh, have parents that come to church and you might assume you will automatically receive God's blessing. Or, you know, you might go off to university and think, oh, you know, I'm going to have a good time. I'll find my own way. I'll come back to God eventually. It doesn't work like that. You just don't know what will happen. And Jesus is trying to tell us in this text, he's trying to wake us up from our slumber. He says, you can call yourself a Christian or say that you believe in God. But you could be just like the Jewish audience here, who thought in the end it would come down to heritage or, you know, cultural acceptance or something maybe you said once, a prayer way back when. But it requires faith and action. You can say a prayer and then nothing happens. You never act on it. You don't decide to stay on the narrow path because it's too difficult or some things don't work out. Entry through the narrow door means a personal response to Jesus. It's essential that you actually know Jesus. You don't just have this casual interaction with him. Stuff that, you know, fits in with your life or, you know, if it's not too much of an inconvenience, you'll pray. Or maybe if there's time that week, you'll read your Bible. Uh, turn up to church if the time is convenient or if the sun is shining. Entry through the door means experiencing his grace and forgiveness. The Holy Spirit, as Kate was talking about, changing you from the inside out. Your focus in life is not you anymore. It's him. Can I tell you when your focus in life is not you anymore, when you stop looking within and you start to look up at him, your life will radically change. If you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life, it will change you. 
If you fix your eyes upon Jesus and your life goals, your desires, your mission in life changes. You believe? Do you believe in him? Do you know him? Do you really know him? In James 2, verse 19, it says, You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. Do you shudder? Are you in awe? Do you realise that you need to accept the gift that is on offer? But it talks about striving. It, it doesn't mean you have to work hard to receive your sal salvation. It is a free gift of grace. More, it means that we should labour hard to respond to his word and respond to his message. That's why we, we should have an urgency about our evangelism. We should realise that those around us won't necessarily have a long life. Oh, there'll always be another opportunity. If this current situation going on around the world has taught us anything, that life is precious and can be short, because you just don't know what's around the corner. Go through the narrow door now if you haven't chosen him, if you haven't chosen salvation, if you haven't asked Jesus into your life, if you haven't asked for forgiveness, go through the narrow door. Not everybody lives until a ripe old age and dies in their sleep. Jesus says, once the door is closed, that is it. There is no way back. And God gives everyone what they ask for, either in this life and the next. If you choose to accept it in this life, he will receive you in the next. If you choose to reject him, he will reject you in the next. He gives everybody what they want. And we all need to pass through Jesus, the narrow door. We all need forgiveness. We've all messed up. We've all wandered away. I was so far from God. I was a blasphemer. I was in trouble with the police. I had, I was, had a drug problem, a drink problem. I had all sorts of problems. I needed forgiveness. But you don't necessarily need to be as bad as I was. You just need to be breathing and you need God. You need his forgiveness. This is amazing news that we've got here. Even though we all deserve punishment, even though we all deserve to go to hell, God himself has provided a way out for us. He doesn't do this by leaving things unpunished. My sin deserves to be punished. And so forgetting about... He doesn't forget about justice. He does it by taking himself, taking our place. His death on the cross, our punishment. Himself experiencing hell so we don't have to. Jesus talks about the anguish of hell and separation from God in verse 28. He says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are cast out. Oh, this is really painful 
painful for the descendants of the patriarchs. You see, they see them at the great banqueting table speaking of the end time. Yet they're excluded. Jesus, this is not very inclusive. What is going on? People being shut out by God. But what follows is inclusive. He says people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first. And some who are first will be last. Hands up, who said that in a line waiting? Most of you, come on. You're allowed to participate. I know you're separate, but you're allowed to move your hands and arms and clap and speak a little bit. I've said that quite a few times to my kids. Normally the one that's complaining who's at the back. <clears throat> this would have been shocking for Jesus' audience. They would have been alarmed to hear that anyone with a right heritage could miss out on God's blessing. They were God's chosen people, and he's using language that would suggest they could be shut out if they do not come through him. Firstly, they could miss out, and secondly, the despised Gentiles could be at the great banqueting table. What this alludes to, to both Jews and to us now, is that there should be no smugness or taking things for granted. The Jews could be smug with their covenant promises, but, and now the Gentiles could be smug about being accepted in. But we, in reality, have been drafted into an ancient promise. Both groups should be careful, not how many will be saved, but will you or I be among the saved? So make every effort to make it through the narrow door into the great celebration. And then, moving on from verse 31. It says, at the very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following it, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And then he goes into this lament from verse 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as, her hen, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you are not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's important to understand where we are in Luke now. Much of the journey up to this point has been Jesus warning the nation. And that it will indeed be in exile if it chooses to reject Jesus. But from this point on, much of the teaching from chapter 14 onwards is concerned with the disciples. The open door is closing for this generation of Israel. The fig tree is to be uprooted. So what do we see here? Firstly, the Pharisees, they warn Jesus. This is unlikely through concern for Jesus. It is more likely they just want to get rid of Jesus out of the way without using violence. And then we see that Jesus isn't scared of the man who killed John the Baptist, King Herod. He calls Herod that fox. 
Again, Jesus. Loving, kind, fluffy Jesus. Calling people names. That fox. Meaning like he's cunning or he's actually of little significance. He says, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I finish my course. We're only in chapter 13 and Jesus is saying he's nearing the end of his earthly ministry. And it will culminate in Jerusalem where he will die and rise again. Jesus then goes on to say how a prophet shouldn't perish away from Jerusalem. He's assuming the role of a prophet, not just another prophet, but the one who is the suffering sent one. The righteous messenger that will be rejected and wronged. Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem, knowing what he must do, knowing that he is safe from Herod as his destiny is in God's hand and nobody else's. This isn't really what the passage is saying, but do you know that your destiny is in God's hand and not in the coronavirus hands? Do you know that? That your destiny is in his hands. And then Jesus laments over Jerusalem with such love for it. Real passion for the city. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. This is tenderness from Jesus. Or we can start to feel a bit more comfortable now. Jesus is showing tenderness. He's using imagery of this mother hen. Revealing God's heart and desire to constantly nurture and care and protect his people. I wonder if you have had that awareness of God's heart for you during this pandemic. But even when things don't seem to be going well, do you remind yourself of God's goodness? Or do you look around? Do you look at everything that's happening? Do you think, oh no, a second wave is coming? Or do you look at him? He has compassion for you, like he has for Jerusalem. This is compassion as well that we should have for the town, for the villages around us, that is at the bottom of this hill. We should have compassion. Be like Jesus. Take no delight in those who are, who are rejecting him, but be moved to tears. Because one day the door will shut. We need to awaken to the world around us and who don't know Jesus. If you don't know him one day, you will meet him. And then it will be too late. We should have the compassion of Jesus for the lost and the broken world around us. There is so much fear around right now, more than I ever remember in my lifetime. So much fear and anxiety. The world needs to know there is a God who is real. A God who has become flesh and dwelt among us. Who like a hen has gathered his people under his wing by ransoming and redeeming them. He accomplished it by dying on the cross, paying the price for the sins of all mankind and then rising again, defeating death so that we could be free. You can be happy about that. Yes, well done. Very, that's a good cricket golfing clap. Well done. This is true. What I am saying is true. Jesus died on a cross, rose again, so that you don't need to fear the grave. 
This is true. The world needs to hear it right now. This, as a church, we need to rise up and share the good news. Let's be like Jesus in the face of hostility. Let's have love and compassion and pray for those around us. Because he has conquered the grave. He has won the victory. He has paid the price for all of our sin. We, don't not, we no longer need to fear the grave. Amen? Good. Right, you can stand up now. I want everyone to stand up. You can stretch your legs a bit. You've been standing on your um, camping chairs for too long. Sitting. <coughs> I want, let's have a little stretch. You can stretch your legs and have a little workout. Run on the spot. <coughs> we are going to pray because this is what the, the world around us needs to hear. There is so much fear, so much anxiety. Let's pray right now. This is where we interact, not with maybe with each other, but we're going to interact and we're going to pray and seek God. We're going to, first of all, pray for the lost. We're going to pray for those that don't know Jesus. Let's pray for those in our towns and our villages around us. If you live in Borough Green or Kemsing or wherever you live, pray for those villages and pray for Seven Oaks. I'm going to be praying from here and then we're going to move on and pray for something else. So let's just for a couple of minutes pray for those that don't know Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have saved us. Thank you, Lord, that you died for us on the cross. But we pray for each and every one that we know, each and every family member gathers here, Lord, people that we may know. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done, Lord, for many, many people to come and receive the truth, Lord. Yeah, Father, we pray for your will to be done, your kingdom to come in this town, in this region. And Lord, we pray for many to respond to the gospel in this season. Lord, we pray between now and Christmas that many will come and be saved, Lord. Many will respond. I pray for us gathered here, Lord, your church, your saints, Lord. Help us be bold in proclaiming the gospel, in speaking truth, speaking peace into fear and anxiety. Lord, we pray that help us point to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's pray now for fear and anxiety, which is rife right now. I'm going to pray for those suffering with anxiety, Lord. We pray, Lord, Father, for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to come. Lord, and I pray again for all of us gathered, for your church, Lord, help us be bringers of peace. Help us be peacemakers, Lord, wherever we go. Lord Jesus. And we pray, Father, for our government. We pray for real wisdom, Father, godly men and women in government to rise up and take their, take their place, to guide and govern Lord, with wisdom, Lord, we pray, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and guide them. Lord, as we pray again, we've got um, Alpha starting on the 30th of September. 
let's just all pray together for that, that maybe pray who you can invite, uh, pray that we would get many guests come along. <coughs> we're going to do it again via Zoom. So we, we're not restricted by um, uh, locations. People from anywhere can come along. Let's just pray for Alpha starting on the 30th uh, for many to come and receive the King of Kings. I just want to thank you for Alpha. I want to thank you for everyone represented here who has come through Alpha, Lord, including myself. Father, I thank you that um, we got to meet with the King of Kings through this amazing um, ministry tool. And I pray, Father, for this to be our biggest, best Alpha yet, where many can hear the truth and the life, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen.